This is the Steve Zabin Show. You don't know what the hell you're doing! On the Team 980 and the Team980.com. What the hell is he doing? Here he is, the Zabe. There were times on Friday night as I watched the E60 on Project 11 that I realized, oh my God, I haven't moved a muscle in nearly 20 minutes. My chest was getting tight at certain moments, and I was completely riveted. Here's a quick little snippet before we bring on our next guest who uh, spearheaded the whole project. The way that the doctors explained it to us, he no longer has a sports injury. He has what would be more comparable to a military injury. He has like a blast injury. Alex's medical team arranged for him to fly here, to the Center for the Intrepid, just outside San Antonio. It's a state-of-the-art medical center treating U.S. servicemen and women wounded in combat. You can feel over here. Yes, here. definitely on the bottom. And here you numb as well? Yep, no, feel that. Okay. Due to the severity of his injury, Alex received special clearance from the U.S. Secretary of Defense to receive consultation from the military make the trip down to San Antonio. Very, very humbling. The one area, Elizabeth, that you're going to have to watch a lot because he can't see it is right here. And that was part of the story on Friday night. It's a pleasure now to welcome on Stefania Bell, ESPN's injury analyst and the uh, driving force behind Project 11. Stefania, thanks for the time today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. It was a spectacular piece. I assume you are elated with how it came out. I really am. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a long time having to keep it under wraps as we worked on on the project. But I'm most happy that uh, the subject, particularly Alex and Elizabeth, were uh, pleased with the outcome because they felt like it truly told their story. Right. And it's inspirational, I think, to a lot of people. It's humbling, it's it's terrifying, but at the end of it all, it's absolutely inspirational. Did you sense early on that that's what you were going to have? And at what point in the project did you think, I don't know, this might go terribly wrong and we may have nothing here? Well, we always thought we'd have something because Alex, uh, just in talking to him and his wife early on, they're uh, they're just compelling characters. They're they're nature. They're uh, decent people who'd been through a horrible ordeal, and it was clear to me when we embarked on the project that they wanted to be very candid about the whole experience, and I thought it was very brave of them to be so open to documenting things when the path was uncertain. We first started in January of 2019, and Alex had only been home from the hospital for a little over a month and faced a long road ahead. And he said he wanted us there for the good and the bad uh, because he wanted it to be authentic. And I think every time we were with them, we saw this spirit of Alex and his wife, really, uh, and how determined he was to conquer every hurdle or at least put into it everything that he could uh, Mm. to to get to a positive outcome. So I always felt 
there would be inspiration that you could take away from Alex, no matter what the end of the story was going to be. Who took the footage of him sort of spaced out? Like that was one of the scarier clips that was in the special when his eyes were rolling around and he was clearly just reeling. Were you there as part of the documentary crew or is that footage they provided to you guys afterwards? And that was footage that uh, Elizabeth, his wife, provided to us after. Elizabeth was a great documentarian because I think, um, you know, she wanted to capture everything as it was happening before they even formally decided to document this uh, for a public uh, film, if you will. But uh, I think in terms of capturing him at different times, it was just her instinct as a wife to want to show him sort of where he had been and and really to have the presence of mind to be doing that, the good and the bad. A lot of the still photos were credit to Elizabeth Smith and, and to um, Alex's parents occasionally provided some things for us. So uh, we were very fortunate that they had done such a good job of cataloging the first few weeks. Stefania Bell of ESPN, uh, injury analyst and one of the driving forces behind Project 11, which we all watched on Friday night, at Stefania underscore ESPN is where you find her on Twitter. Stefania, what makes this an amazing story among, you know, 1,700 other things is the fact that Alex was such an amazing patient. And, and obviously patients come in all shapes, sizes, and desires. His, his drive adds to the compelling nature of your story. It really does. And, you know, I've followed Alex's career trajectory since he started in the league. I'm from the Bay Area originally, so I've always been a 49ers fan. I think uh, I just followed him as a fan of the team and and came to really like him because he was so even-keeled no matter what life seemed to throw at him and sort of uh, the serendipitous circumstance that we ended up working together on this. And it was really... um, I don't, I don't know quite what the word is, but it made me so happy to find out that the real Alex Smith is just like what you would expect when you see him from afar. I mean, that is who he is, quiet and reserved, uh, just kind and decent, but incredibly driven and focused and does not want to let anyone outwork him. And I think those things were critical in him being able to have the kind of outcome that he's had. Yeah, I've often said to, to people in the in the last week, I think you could take another patient and throw all the same injury circumstances at them, and there aren't two people who have the same outcome because you really need the personality of Alex to get through this the way that he has. The dynamic of who is the rock in the relationship actually seemed to, and you could speak better <laughs> to this because you saw it behind the, behind the camera, in front of the camera, you know, behind the scenes, at sometimes it looked like Elizabeth was the rock, but then there was also that one scene where Alex turns to her and says, do you have any idea how many people would love to switch places with me right now because I have one option, two options? Th- that, as, as a husband and a dad, spoke volumes about the Smiths. Really, I think that's, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, they really are rocks for each other, and they did what they needed to for each other throughout this. Clearly, Alex was not, Uh, totally lucid during that first week where things were touch and go. He was heavily medicated uh, to manage his pain. And Elizabeth was forced to process all the information that was coming at her from the surgeons in real time and make decisions 
on his behalf and have those difficult conversations all while being a mom to three little kids at home. And, and she's always been gracious about the family and friends who were there uh, to support them and sort of help keep the kids' lives normal, going to school and so on um, through that difficult time. But nonetheless, it was her job when she saw them every day to reassure them that things were going to be okay, even when she didn't really know if they were. And so uh, I give her all the credit in the world for having this, inner strength and still being calm and gracious throughout the entire process. And then I think Alex's sort of acceptance of what the cards he was dealt and his willingness to really focus on just looking ahead, not spending a lot of time looking in the rearview mirror. I think that was a source of strength for her as well. You're a board certified orthopedic clinical specialist, strength and conditioning specialist as well. Tell me what's the biggest hurdle left for him. It seemed like, from what I could see, that issue of the dropped foot kind of thing where it's hard to flex your toe up is a big challenge for somebody with an injury like this. What is Alex's biggest hurdle if he wants to play again? Well, it's a, it's a great observation by you. I'm glad that stuck with you. And that was, that was a pretty specific detail in the piece. Um, because of the anatomy that he's left with, he will not regain that function per se, not specifically. So uh, that he has managed to compensate to work around that using other muscles uh, to to help him do what he needs to do. And you saw that he's pretty functional despite that anatomic loss. Um, But now he's really in this mode of, of, of training for this season. He's in sports specific and agility training, much like, many other uh, football players are right now. So, um, you know, whether he gets to that point of retaking the field or not remains to be seen. Clearly, he's already had a major victory just uh, by getting back to the family life that he wanted. But Alex loves the challenge, and he certainly has the mental fortitude to get there. So uh, we shall see. What is in the front of his lower leg? Is it grafted muscle? Yes, the muscle transfers that he had uh, and the associated skin grafts are uh, really what they used to cover that wound, and that's what remains there now. And it, it, it looks kind of lumpy, and I'm guessing it's never going to look really pretty no matter what, right? Right. I mean, there's uh, there are things that sometimes they will do to contour that, and, and it gets sort of complicated, but um, at this point, the cosmetics of it weren't as critical as the functionality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and also when you get through an infection like that, there's discussion about how many procedures you want to pursue. So um, it does not look the same. It does not function exactly the same. But clearly he has uh, done what he needs to do to move forward. Last question. Do you think there's a chance that you guys or ESPN could produce a version of it that either blurs out or gives adequate warning right before the most graphic images are shown because this is such a valuable learning tool and just an inspirational piece? I'd like to show it to my wife and daughters, but they are not stomach strong enough for some of the images have you guys considered that or how what's the best way to go about saying here you got to watch this but careful there's a couple of landmines in here 
Well, you know, that's that's why we have graphic image warning that came before those segments, um, specifically because of the images, and we understand. Yeah, but you need it, Stefania. You need a huge flashing red sign (laughs) right before the image, (laughs) you know? Well, there are several. I mean, if we did that, we'd be interrupting about seven different images. So I guess you're right. Um, I, I guess I, you're right. You know, I don't. I don't know that that's the solution. And and it was a. Uh, you know, it's a. It's not something you enter into lightly when you're going to show a graphic image like that. But we really. No, I know. That, um, Alex's goal was to be authentic, and yeah. I don't think you appreciate how far he's come if you don't see where he was. So we understand that some people won't uh, will want to avert their eyes, and I know some people who have. And and I think just the act of doing that tells you if you have to look away, uh, the injury must have been really, really serious. Yeah. Uh, last question, quick exit. Do you? Are there more of these in the pipeline? Do you see other similar projects of athletes and injuries and recovery? Uh, if athletes want to give us that kind of access, I think so. I mean, <laughs> that was really the key to that was really the key to being able to tell the story was having the ability to be there alongside Alex and his wife for the journey. Oh, very good. Came out spectacular. It was wonderful to watch. And uh, congratulations, Stefani. We thank for you, thank you for your time today. Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. There you go. Stefania Bell, who is a certified strength and conditioning specialist and board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, uh, plenty of credentials, and put together a hell of a piece there. And kudos to the Smiths for allowing the access and, I mean, Elizabeth, for being smart enough to not use vertical video. Yes. <laughs> Although there might be some in there. I'm trying to think. I think I would have noticed it, but maybe I didn't notice it. May, I, I probably was just so compelled. I was like, uh. I think it'd be cool if that external fixator was put into a display at FedEx Field for everybody to see it and with associated photos and a story, sort of like a museum piece about, you know, here's Alex Smith's story. This is what, you know, he went through to come back and to save his leg and. We should be enjoying right now the full fruition of year three of Alex Smith immersed in this offense. No offense to Dwayne, by the way, but Alex Smith should be making insanely beautiful music with the likes of Terry McLaurin and others. And that was taken away. And I have another thought on this. I'm over time here. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, I have uh, a further thought about the Alex Smith, Smith documentary that you saw on Friday night. Text lines open, 330-99, Zabe. Chime in with your comments on it. We're back after this. Now back to the Steve Zabin Show on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. So, yeah, so, I mean, you know, he, he probably has his own designs on that external fixator. And I'm sure, I mean, if I was him, I'd put that son of a bitch up on the trophy case, you know, next to all his other jerseys and game balls and helmets and whatever other memorabilia. That That is a hell of a piece right there. But, you know, if he'd allow it, God, I'd love for the Redskins to to make a display out of it and, and let it be inspiration that, you know, comebacks are possible from even the most unimaginable types of injuries. And a couple of things that, struck me in the documentary and you can chime in as well. Three, three Oh 99 Zabe. You can also Scott do the same. Um, people 
some people were like, yeah, I mean, he spent too much time in his days as a Niner. And I said, you know what, though? Here's how I'll defend that. you got to remember, this guy got hosed almost every step of the way. Just when his career started to take off, because he finally had good coaching, a coach in Jimmy Hardpaw, who knew how to take advantage of his skill set, he gets a concussion. In comes a young Colin Kaepernick, no tats, no fro just yet, social issues still in the back of his head, and he tears the league apart limb by limb in a way that was like, oh, my God, how are we going to deal with this guy for 15 years? And you're not supposed to lose your job due to injury, but, uh, yeah, YOLO, sometimes you do. Right. And they went to the Super Bowl, and he had to sit there and watch, knowing he was doing mostly all that as well before he got hurt, and then he had to watch his team come up just short. So very unfair there. Ends up getting traded to Kansas City, starts over, starts settling in, starts playing great football. Again, with Andy Reid, who loved him. Now, was he a game manager of sorts? You could argue that, but he still had the highest passer rating in the league prior to being traded here. But they drafted Patrick Mahomes, and he had to be a pro, and he had to coach him up, and not coach him up, but he had to be a pro and at least help him out. And Mahomes said, Alex Smith, help me out a lot because he's that kind of a guy. And then he's got to go get shipped off to Washington, and he was off to a 6-3 and three start here. It might have been a little bit fraudulent, but 6-3 and three is 6-3. and three. And then this happens, and it's just boom, boom, boom. And then, okay, so he breaks his leg. Okay, it happens. They get it fixed. They screw it together. They're like, looking good. You should be out of here in two days. It turns into a nightmare, a flesh-eating bacterial nightmare. I do love how they use that digital counter where they would go back in time. It'd be like, here's what happened to Alex Smith on November 18th, 2018. And now we're going to dial back the time machine to November 18th of 1985 and Theismann's injury. And then when they got to his recovery, it was here's the date and then blink plus one. Blink plus two. The way they made that one-day counter, the plus one day from surgery, plus two days, plus three days, the way they made that click off, it it added such drama. I'm like, that's so well done. Because you're feeling the tension of, oh, God, he's not out of the woods. This is now slowed down to a serious, potentially life-or-death situation. But think about that. Every step of the way, he gets hosed. Life is not fair. Sports are not fair. Bad things happen to good people for reasons that make no sense. Guess what? Keep your perspective. Be grateful for what you got. Appreciate it. All those kind of things. That's what Alex Smith is made of. I don't know if he really is going to try to play. I, I'm going to stop doubting him. That's for sure. Be stupid to be betting the don't pass line on Alex Smith. I don't, I mean, if he's compensating for the fact that he doesn't really have that foot flexibility to get his toe in the air when you normally do when running, I mean, if he's going to lift his leg and kind of clomp along, I I don't know, maybe, we'll see. What the hell happens, Scott, if we get to Richmond in late July and he's there ready to play? Oh, Lord have mercy. But how quickly did it go from... How quickly did it go from dead leg, dead patient in a heartbeat 
to in yeah. a matter of mere minutes in the documentary. You hear Elizabeth Smith say he's dying, and then they juxtapose it with Alex going, well, you know what? Football might not be out of the question. We had Vernon yeah. Davis on earlier on B. Mitch's show. And Uncle I Vern. Ex- I brought up the exact same point that you did, that this guy who had a windy day workout with the San Francisco 49ers with the Dallas Doughboy when he was coming out of Utah, and McCarthy was then the OC under Mike Nolan, that stale whatever, he leaves. And you see Smith go, I had one loss in high school, one loss at college, and I come here, and it's for six years with San Francisco, we didn't have a winning season. And they put in Harbaugh, he's great. And at every turn, it's like, man, of all the luck, concussion, this, that, the other thing. And mm-hmm. the dude just keeps on smiling and keeps on working. He's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The other thing was when Dr. Robin West, who was there on that cart as he left the field and, of course, helped perform the surgeries, uh, when she started to tear up when recounting how yeah. Elizabeth Smith asked if it was your leg, what would you do? And she said, I'd cut it off. And then the waterworks just came. These doctors are pretty hardened to this kind of stuff. They, they, doctors usually are not big criers, you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would they would de- dehydrate and collapse every day because of the stuff that they have to deal with and seeing people lose loved ones. When she welled up like that, it floored me. God, that was so powerful. And then but the they didn't really, and I'm not his, here to try to, huh? No, the other doctor was his name, Holtzman, the gentleman with the dark hair at Inova, when he was like, you know, there's bacteria in there. One of those bacteria shouldn't be anywhere near this. And it showed up. Could have been a yeah. fiber on a sock or something in the field or right. something he in was his like, pants or something. It was like How four different bacteria. Two we right. knew about, two we were like, new phone, who dis? Yeah. Crazy. I don't like thinking about bacteria. I know. They they got bacteria they don't even know about. And there's now murder hornets. I don't like to think about any of that stuff. Yeah. I don't like murder hornets. It it was never and now that Stefania's not on, we can nitpick a little bit. There you go. <laughs> it was never really fully, I thought, explained who made the call. Let's try to keep the leg. I know they kind of attributed that to Alex, and it's his leg and he had to make that right. call. But he's also in sort of in and out states of consciousness, isn't he? I couldn't believe what was left of the leg and, and that they built it back. I'm like, what? That's the leg? That can't be it. What? Oh. And, and you know, now because of all the grafts, it, it is it's not very pretty. It's lumpy. It looks like a bunch of socks were stuffed in there. It, but, yeah. uh, yep. And just, you know, and also seeing our wounded warriors in San Antonio talking with him. It was powerful and appreciated, no doubt. Uh, the young woman who herself had lost a leg and was saying, look, at some point I said, is this leg helping my life, making me lead a better life? And the answer is no. And she decided to go without it and said it's been a lot better because of it. Mm. Incredible stuff. I wouldn't put anything past him, that's for sure. So... Maybe we'll see the 11 car roll out of the garage in late July. That would be interesting. Coming up, one more DMV sports test this hour plus the birthday game before we're done. And a tough lesson in collective bargaining for the U.S. women's national team. I'll talk about that next. 
The DMV Sports Desk on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. With the latest brought to you by Discover, I'm Scott Lynn. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score, and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations do apply. Starts off in the NFL. Legendary head coach Don Shula has died at the age of 90. Six Super Bowls, two winning Super Bowls. He won an NFL record. 347 games, including playoffs. Reports say schedule should be out later this week. Thursday night, says Fox Business. Not on that schedule for the NFL this season. International games. Four were supposed to be in London, another in Mexico City. What might football be like in the COVID era? Dolphins CEO and President Tom Garfinkel on Good Morning America today revealing mock-ups of new entrances into the Dolphins' home at Hard Rock Stadium. It would help people adhere to social distancing guidelines. Most notable is that Hard Rock can hold about 65,000 fans for a football game. Miami said they might be down to 15,000 for the next season as everybody adjusts to a new normal or a temporary normal. Top-ranked high school quarterback Caleb Williams of Gonzaga, D.C., has listed his final three schools, Oklahoma, LSU, and Maryland. Louisville has received a notice of allegations regarding their men's hoop program. They include a level one against the school and a level two against former coach Rick Pitino, who is now the new coach at Iona. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said over the weekend that non-Canadian hockey players at a minimum would need to follow quarantine protocols if they arrive for a possible return to the NHL season while the borders are still closed. Korean Baseball Organization opens up Tuesday, our time for their season. It'll be on ESPN, 1 a.m. tonight into tomorrow. DMV weather, 70, sunny, breezy in Silver Spring, partly cloudy near 50 tonight. Clouds mid-50s for your Tuesday. Nobody really knows what time it is these days. Make sure you're waking up with Kevin Sheehan Show, 6 to 9 a.m., Doc and Galdi, 9 to noon. B. Mitch and I, from noon to 3 in the Zabe Show, will take you home from 3 to 7 on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. More of the Zabe Show on this Monday as we continue from the 95.9 FM Team 980 studio. Steve, back to you, buddy. All right, thank you, Scott. Some text messages coming in, 330-99-ZABE. That's how you reach us directly during the show. From the 703, I seriously considered not eating meat anymore after seeing Smith's raw-ass leg sitting there on that table. 703, uh, nice coverage on the Alex story. Well, it's the least we can do. I just watched it and was uh, sort of moved by it. Yeah. 760, what's amazing with Alex was his mindset when he got home from the hospital was how lucky he was to keep the leg and to be able to quote-unquote walk out even though it was on crutches with a giant erector set on it. After getting hosed, as you said time after time, I really wish he could come back, but I felt the same way with Theismann. And then you realize there's just no way. 301, Zabe asking Stefania, can you remake the doc with the graphic images blurred out as like Zabe asking Snoop Dogg, hey, when you say I don't love them hoes, can you change that? Because hoes need love, too. <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch. Were the, were the warning, warning, graphic image coming, was it right before the image? Or was it I, I, to start the documentary? It was for segments, but you didn't know. It was like, you know, when they came back from commercial break, this this program contains blah, blah, blah. So they put them in blocks, but you didn't, you know, it could have been another eight minutes before they showed the picture. Yeah. 
I would have had a countdown clock, like graphic image coming in five, four, three, two, one. And then show the graphic image for five seconds. No music, no voiceover. And then when the voice begins again, then you can open your eyes safely. What's weird is that I didn't, I wasn't that shook by the images. I was like, whoa. However, I hate seeing when anybody cuts themselves or smashes a finger. So on Deadliest Catch, when some crew member ends up getting a nasty cut or he smashes his finger against the block, hauling up a crab pot, I it sends a shock and a shiver through my whole body. I'm so afraid of that. My fingers are my life, Jerry. Yes, this Jerry. is how I play concert piano with these fingers right here. Hear me play piano. These little fingers. I don't want them to yeah. be smashed. Uh, 240, some of the photos of not just the leg, but of him after the few surgeries where he looks completely out of it was just unreal to me. Yes, I need to go back and also look. Did his wife know to film that horizontally, or was it a vertical video shot of him in bed just like, oh, oh. I felt like screaming at the TV, hey, something's wrong with Alex. Hello, ding, 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 attending, attending, help. But that's how you are when you're corked out on sedatives, pain relievers, antibiotics, and whatnot. You're loopy, for sure. Uh, 240, you can listen to the entire documentary and podcast form, so no visuals needed. Unless you want to watch the exceptional Mrs. Smith. Oh, yeah, there's that as well. She's she a former is, cheerleader, Steve. A former cheerleader. I don't know why she's not a model. Like, she is... Beautiful woman. Yes. Perfection. She's like a 12 on a scale of 1 to 10. And I normally only go to 11 for the best of the best. But a great woman. Loyal. Beautiful. And the fact that, first off... She was like, yeah, not so much. Alex had to fight an uphill. Again, perfect for the overall Alex Smith character arc. He had to fight his way into getting a date. Of course, the early Alex Smith was super dorky. Right. I mean, the photos, the, the photo of him, his first day at Utah was like, hey. <laughs> I'm Alex Smith. I'm quarterback on the team. <laughs> How about your boy Urban, Zabe? He was skinny, not really athletic, and he was an okay thrower. I, you know, I, whatever. And right. then he was a monster under Meyer. Yeah. Monster. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, this one from the 484 Zabe back in 2002 when La Plata, Maryland had an F4 tornado go through town. Oh, I remember that. It was terrible. The same supercell. Uh, produced thunderstorm with baseball to softball-sized hail out ahead of it. It has to do with the amazing strength of the storm's updraft to, of course, lift the freezing little molecules into small pellets, then larger pellets, and then next thing you know, it's a damn baseball. And then eventually, drops out of the sky. How come hail doesn't kill people on an annual basis? Any idea? 
It's a good Anyone? question because it would it would destroy your windshield, right? If you're driving in a hailstorm and they come at you in that large of fashion, why wouldn't it yeah. bust a back window in your car? 202, awesome closeout of hour two. So we're going to have somebody, I forget who. Stay with us. Love it, Zabe. Good job. Shut up. Shut up. Every now and then. I know. It's very ungaldy like It should be more yeah. like Galdi. Precise. 703, Zabe, I just happened to be out at the Manassas battlefield during the flyover. What a juxtaposition. Standing at the spot where soldiers 150 years ago had been reduced to fighting with rocks because they had run out of bullets for their muskets. And I was looking up at today's modern, technologically marvelous warbirds that cost, what, $15 million a copy? $25 million? I haven't priced an F-16 in a while. Let's see if I or can get it for you. F-14 Hornet. War Eagle Tom in Fairfax. Is that true that they fought with rocks when they ran out? <laughs> it turned into a rock fight, for God's sakes. Who knows? All right, so the U.S. women's national team got a tough lesson in collective bargaining and a tough lesson in, you know, a court of law is not Twitter. The push for the women to get equal pay to the men, quote, equal pay to the men, was fierce in the wake of their World Cup victory last summer. And they were America's darlings, and the media was on a full-blown, hell-bent crusade to get these gals a raise. The problem was, if you actually dug into the dollars and cents and the apples-to-oranges comparison, you quickly realized, well, they're kind of trying to change the terms after the fact. And it didn't matter that you pointed this out. This was the great crusade of the blue checkmark brigade. And here's the thing. I like the women's national team in general. I have always sort of liked their moxie and spirit and their ass-kicking all-American gals. And my college roommate, Aaron Heifetz, was the communications director for the U.S. women's national team for many years. In fact, he might still be. I don't know what he's doing now exactly. But I've always had an affinity for them. I got to meet the great Brandy Chastain at TPC Avenel, where she was giving an impromptu post-round uh, banquet speech. Uh, she was there playing golf. She's a big golfer as well. And um, I t- totally dug it. You know, meeting her, she was very cool, and we had a great time. They were on shaky ground legally, and it's too bad for them, but in a way, it's an affirming thing for the concept of collectively bargained agreements. In the 32-page order, Judge Klausner suggested that the the women's national team predicament was their own fault. He intimates that they agreed to a CBA that they now regret. Well, I don't know if he intimated that they agreed to a CBA. That's a matter of fact. They signed a collectively bargained agreement. Now, I guess the intimation is that they now regret it. The history of the negotiation between the parties, said the judge, 
demonstrates that the women's national team rejected an offer to be paid under the same pay-to-play structure as the men's national team, and that the women's team was willing to forego higher bonuses for other benefits, such as greater base compensation and the guarantee of a higher number of contracted players. Not to mention, by the way, benefits, health care, etc. Mm-hmm. In addition, Judge Klausner repeatedly rejected arguments raised by the women's team concerning pay. He concluded that based on empirical evidence and expert testimony, the women's player, the women players were seemingly, actually seemingly earned more than the men. He said during the class period of 2015 to 2019, the women's team played 111 total games and earned $24.5 million in overall salaries. So on average, the women made 221000 per game. During the same period, the men played 87 games, earned $18.5 million, which came out to about 213000 per game, or 7000 less per game than the women's team. Now you can say, but that, that, no, wait a minute, that doesn't matter, this should be this, that should be this, blah, blah, blah. It is what it is, it is what they agreed to. They're a very marketable team. More so than the men, because they win. They win, and they can move product. And that's good for the players. It's a good platform for them to springboard into Madison Avenue and get lucrative endorsement deals. Of course, not all of them get lucrative endorsement deals. About four or five of them do. If they wanted to go on a bounty system where it's like, we want to get paid like the men, but we want to get paid big when we win. And when we go to the World Cup final, when we win the World Cup, we want a ka-ching, ka-ching. Then they would probably have to forego some of the other stuff. The other thing working against the women is that the ecosystem for women's professional soccer and men's professional soccer is drastic. The men can dabble playing in the men's national team on the side while earning money with a full-time club. Right, Scott? Either in the North American uh, Soccer League, which is... Major, what is it? What MLS? MLS. I was going to say the NASL. That's defunct. There you go. Yes. The men play full-time and get benefits and health care and everything and a good salary playing for professional teams either here in the States or if they're really good, they could play for another world league. And then they dabble on the side playing for the flag. The women's full-time job is playing for the flag and then – the professional leagues, they keep trying to get them up and running, but they are just hanging on by a thread. So that's the difference right there. The point I would agree on is that no matter the outcome, and by the way, there's two items that the women can still uh, proceed with, and that would be hotel accommodations and I think per diem or meals or something like that. There Those was are small uh, team, potatoes. team staffing and travel that the judge found favor yeah. with or something to that effect. But uh, He allowed it to proceed. Saw... Right. And they're going to appeal. They're going to appeal the main point of it, and it could get resurrected again, and they could follow it for another two years and end up losing again when it reaches the end of the road. But I would agree on this. This is a good time for USA Soccer to sit down with the women and say, listen, let's get something fair. You'd, you're crazy if you think we don't appreciate having you as part of the big USA soccer banner. Of course we do. You're, you're a wonderful vehicle to promote the game. But at the same time, you have to understand that the economics of the women's game globally is different than the men's game. 
And we can't change that. We can't change the fact that the television rights fees for the men's World Cup are like a beach ball and the women's World Cup are like a, a baseball. It's a different sized deal. You come to an agreement, you declare peace, you kumbaya it, and you drop all these silly lawsuits. Why pay money to lawyers? Do you think that could happen? I think it's in everybody's best interest. Like you said, Zabe, they win. The women do. U.S. soccer would love to have a winner instead of dissatisfaction with what's been going on with the boys forever and a day. Yeah. Uh, 414, I thought you were just using typical sports talk hyperbole talking about one Elizabeth Smith, and I checked online just to debunk it, and I saw a couple photos, and then I'm like, wow, I apologize for doubting you. In fact, there was a full-length photo of her. I think I blacked out for a bit. I'm better now. Thanks. Thank you, 414. Coming up, Glad. the birthday game. Who's celebrating today next? All right, time for the birthday game. Chop, chop. Time is short. Let's get cracking. Jeff Walker, do your worst, young man. Okay, so first we have TV anger Aaron Andrews. Oh, EA Sports. Scott, how old is she? Erin uh, Andrews is 38, Zabe. She's 41. She's 42 years old. Ah, Damn. God darn it. Next, we have R&B singer Jadena. Well, there's one I don't know. Oh, man, you don't know this, this song, Jadena. Sorry. Which, which, which song, Scott? Jeff? Classic Man. I'm a classic man. Uh, could oh, you man. use it in a sentence? <laughs> Just kidding. That's uh, like a spelling bee trick. Uh, Jadena is uh, Jadena's twenty-eight. Forty-three ish. He's thirty-five. He. Okay. Next. Next we have Victor Oladipo. Oh. Leo. Victor Indiana Oladipo product. is uh, Victor Oladipo's twenty-two. Time flies. He's thirty. He's twenty-eight. You said 22, Scott? Yeah, time does fly. And you didn't really think uh, through that one. No, I thought he was younger. Yeah, and last but not least, we have Dawn Staley. She's an actual Olympic gold medalist for the women's Mm -hmm. basketball team. Dawn Staley is 36 years of age, Jeff Walker. She's 34. She's 50. That was probably that the worst round of golf we've ever played together. It's partly, you know why? Because I didn't give us time to soak on it. I didn't. I, I no. said, we're running short on time. Chop, chop, got to go. I just, I just got fault. up there. I didn't even put a helmet on, and I just started swinging in the cage. That was atrocious. Here's one of the most unexpected, I can't believe it, sort of discoveries about this whole COVID-19 crisis. Smokers apparently are less likely than non-smokers to fall ill with serious COVID-19 complications. I kid you not. A quarter of French adults smoke. Many people were surprised then when researchers reported that only 5% of the COVID-19 patients who came to the Petit Salpetriere Hospital were daily smokers. The ratios of smokers to non-smokers in earlier tallies at hospitals in America and China and elsewhere 
and France all varied, but the trend was the same. Smokers were underrepresented by a significant proportion. Researchers are not sure why this is. They think that perhaps nicotine could be the answer. For once, smoking is apparently a good thing. I bought a pack myself. I don't know how to start. <laughs> Never. Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah. Figured I'd just show up into the uh, kitchen with my wife and just start packing the tapping the pack like this. All right, honey. Just, what are you doing for dinner? She'd be like, "What? What is in your hand? What are you, what are you oh, doing? Yeah. yeah. Decided to take up smoking here. It's good for you. Helps prevent the Rona. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thank you very much for listening. Best of hour coming up next here in D.C. Richmond, thank you for letting us in your cars and homes. We're looking forward to it.